Hello, hi, I'm Erin Vandevin. Thanks for joining me today. This is Medium Lady Talks. This podcast is about figuring out the medium effort way to get the most out of life today. I hope the things I unpack here can role model and invite you to sort out your own ways to live life in the present. This is a show about experimenting to get closer to what matters most. I'm glad you're here, so let's settle in. Hello, hi, and welcome to episode 18 of Medium Lady Talks. I'm your host, Erin, and today we're going to talk about books. Uh, I'm going to review the books that I read uh, summer 2021. Now, listen, today I'm recording it. This is, uh, we're just heading into the end of August, and I hesitate to kind of do a summer books roundup, but what I realized is that I've kind of at a critical mass in terms of recording a podcast that reviews the books that I've read. I experimented a lot with books episodes, a lot. No, I haven't experimented a lot, but I have experimented with the ideas of books, the conversations that I've had about books, and that experiment continues with this episode. The very first episode of Medium Lady Talks is an episode about books. It's the winter 2021 books episode. If you want to go and start from the very beginning, you can see where it all started with Medium Lady reviewing books. Um, And there's an episode on books of spring 2021. So this episode is the summer 2021 books episode. And the thing that I'm realizing I'm going to experiment with is the way that I rank books. So the last two episodes, I had actually ranked my books from books I like the least to books I like the best. And I'm not going to do that this time. I'm going to experiment a little bit with format. And I had also kind of bucketed my books into three sections, one being the uh, probably pass, meaning these are books that I read from beginning to end, but that I think you could probably pass on. And I kind of explain why. And then the middle section being a know yourself kind of category where, you know, I've talked about the medium effort that I've put into getting to know what I like to read so that I can reach for more of what I like to read and less for what I don't like to read. And then also the final category being medium lady must reads, meaning the top three or four books that I would absolutely recommend that somebody read. And for this episode, what I'm going to do is change up those three categories a little bit. I'm going to keep the Know Yourself category. Those are the books that kind of smack in the middle, and they're books that I liked well enough to finish in their entirety. But honestly, could I recommend them? No, because I think you kind of have to know yourself. And that's what I've been really experimenting with in my reading life for probably the last two years. Maybe, you know, formally on Medium Lady for, let's say, 18 months. Um, But maybe a little longer now, I guess, almost two years. Either way, you know, experimenting with what I like to read requires a bit of medium effort. If you're new here, or if you kind of want a refresher, medium effort is my personal philosophy about what I need to do in order to figure out who I am and what makes me tick so that I can build the life that I want. It takes medium effort. It doesn't take low effort. It doesn't come naturally or organically without a lot of, um, with spontaneity or mm, a sort of laissez-faire attitude. 
And it doesn't come with rigidity and a sense of strict boundaries and tight rules and, you know, the sort of approach that comes to holding things a little too precious. The way that I'm getting to know myself and figuring out who I am and building the life that I want from that information is with medium effort. It's sort of a purposeful, mindful approach to keeping that question front of mind. And books is one of the ways that I'm really learning a lot about myself and embracing who I am by understanding what I like to read and embracing who I am by understanding what I don't like to read. And so the know yourself category will stay because this is really about my reading life and how I'm getting to know myself through my reading life, but also role modeling to you that you can absolutely get to know yourself through your own reading life. And by reaching for more of what you like and getting rid of what you don't like, I'm going to, you know, figure out more about who I am and that's going to help me really lean into the life that was meant I was meant to live. So the know yourself category will stay. The other two categories were probably pass and medium lady must reads and I'm changing those to read it or don't. I'm gonna say you should read it or don't read it. (laughs) And like that's purely again going back to the know yourself category is the read it category or the don't read it category, you know, and I guess you could argue any of these are a know yourself type of exercise. The whole thing is a know yourself type of exercise. I guarantee you there's books that I love that people hate and there's books that I don't like that people love. And I'm going to stick with the format of reading some Goodreads reviews, which has been really kind of wickedly fun for me to read people who have a dissenting opinion, um, especially when it comes to books. I mean, I honestly find Goodreads to be maybe the place where the fewest amount of trolls are lurking on the internet, and that makes it feel like just a wonderfully safe place to be. So that's what we're kind of up for. That's what we're heading into. Uh, Right now, I am just in a funny season of life, and I think my books kind of reflect that. You know, I was talking with some colleagues about books they had read recently or books that they would recommend. And that kind of conversation, I always recommend you ask people, you know, what are you reading? Some people say like, oh, how's the weather? You know, or like crazy hot hot summer weather we've been having. And, um, you know, you might be going back to the office. You might be finding that your ability to have um, low stakes low stakes, sorry, my phone's going off there, low stakes um, conversations that uh, are not sort of about like, oh, hey, how was your pandemic and getting into the real broken soul of the thing in conversations with your colleagues. Anyway, if you're going into the office, you can use that question of like, did you have you read anything recently? Or I'm looking for book recommendations. You know, what was the last thing you read that you really enjoyed? It's a really low stakes conversation. Sometimes it, you know, even allows people to kind of say like, oh man, I actually haven't really been reading that much lately. And you can say, oh yeah, me too. Or, you know, oh, I, I, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I think it's kind of allows for a little bit of a longer, more meaningful conversation without anybody actually kind of barring their soul or getting really too vulnerable as we kind of get used to uh, making small talk with one another again. 
And the season of life that I'm in right now, I was talking about work and, you know, I just find I'm having these conversations with colleagues and, you know, we, we started having this conversation and a lot of people just started recommending books. And what was thematically very interesting about that conversation was that very few people were recommending nonfiction. And that is true of my list here. Uh, of the books that I read this summer, um, how many were there? Let's see. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, 14, 15, 15 books, and then two books that I'm sort of finishing right now that I'll talk about. Um, some of those are a series and a very large portion of those are romance novels. So, um, you know, I think it's just like reaching for the books that are immediately an escape route or potentially just not requiring that much of a commitment on my part. I find sometimes when I read nonfiction and this is sort of outside of perhaps a memoir or um, autobiographical story storytelling is this sort of like personal development category of books. Um, I have also divided my books into those categories in the past um, that uh, personal development, I don't know, I just don't have any bandwidth. I don't have any bandwidth to develop myself. I, I've started a new job and I'm just finding that, you know, that's where the personal development really lies. I am reading a lot in terms of shorter articles or blogs. I'm engaging with a lot of podcast content. I'm a huge fan of podcasts, um, not to mention, you know, um, my own. Uh, just a side note there, if you are so inclined to pause now and give this podcast a rating and review wherever you happen to be listening, um, that would really help me out. And I would be very grateful for you. A podcast review is a medium effort for sure. And I appreciate the time that you might put into um, putting some words down about how much you enjoy this podcast, assuming that you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, um, broad assumptions aside, I have not really been engaging with a lot of personal development content. There is Although actually, yeah, oh, I guess this, this makes a liar out of me. I've read three personal development books this summer. Um, and I guess in my ratings, we'll probably talk a little bit about how those were landing with me. But personal development books uh, really kind of get to that reflection in a way for me that is usually really enjoyable. But in the summer, or at least in this summer, 2021, the season of my life that I'm in, is just not... Um, the kind of content that allows me to maintain momentum in my life. And that being said, the thing that is really important to me is to just keep up reading as a way to unwind and relax and as a buffer against all of the hours that I might spend on Instagram or YouTube um, in a sort of more numbing state. I find that numbing, okay, so maybe that's that's the word that I'm looking for. There are some books here on this list that I will admit to you, and it makes me feel vulnerable to say that. That's, there are a few books on this list that were definitely numbing reads for me. There were just uh, books that allowed me to completely check out, completely ignore or disconnect from my responsibilities and my emotions, and just quite simply read. And um, you'll see, I think, that the books that I use to numb out are books that I don't end up really enjoying very much. 
So what does that say? You know, I think it would have, uh, it would not have been something that I would have readily admitted that I had used books to numb out. Um, And I don't know, maybe do you do this? Have you ever used books to just kind of completely avoid your emotional or psychological well-being and just completely use them to check out from reality? Some people might say that's a really good thing. Um, And I don't know, maybe it maybe it is maybe it's not that bad of a thing to numb out with a book versus numbing out with something that might mean leave me a little bit more um um, I don't know psychologically you know (laughs) in a place of feeling anxiety or um I don't know distress after you know oh you spend an hour scrolling Instagram and you're really not sure what you're left with um mentally at least after that exercise uh okay So um, getting into the books, let's see. I said I had read uh, 16 books. Is that what I said? That seems like too many books. Let's see. Okay. Uh, You know what? We're just going to dive into the list because I think the number is really kind of conflating the actual uh, content that we have here to review. And I don't particularly have these in any particular order. We're going to experiment a little bit. The first thing I'm going to do is um, talk about my bottom books, and uh, these are not in the order that I read them, but, um, you know, again, I said we've got three categories, uh, read it or don't, and the know yourself category. So let's start with the don't category, the don't read it. Um, So the first don't read it category, the category, the first don't read it book is a book called Mindset. This is a book by Carol Dweck. Um, I read this book with really high hopes because the idea of a growth mindset is something that I think is widely adopted in our cultural, personal development, self-development, you know, lexicon. It's something that we all kind of have grown to understand by absorbing any number of psychology, pseudo-psychology, you know, Tim Robbins-esque hype men who are willing to, you know, talk about manifesting your greatest dreams in the idea of a growth mindset and how a growth mindset is the key to unlocking all of that turns out this is you know scientifically based in the work of carol dweck um and to be quite honest with you this book is uh a bit one note carol does carol carol dweck dr dweck does a really good job of you know explaining her primary thesis and then the book sort of becomes uh this expository reflection of exactly that her thesis and her and her positioning of the definitions time and time again I found it was a little bit heavy-handed the examples of people who historically had demonstrated a fixed mindset and the people who historically had demonstrated a growth mindset I also felt that the studies of educators and parents who had applied a growth mindset to their parenting or their educating to be, again, a little bit heavy-handed. I did feel like it's very obvious once you understand the difference between fixed and growth mindset that one is good and the other is bad. And that kind of binary thinking, I think, just didn't appeal to me. 
uh, the deeper and deeper I got into the book, I really had hoped it would be a little bit more instructive about what you can do when you find yourself in a fixed mindset. The book also does very little to address the broader context that might mean that an individual finds themselves in a situation that they don't think they can control and that they feel is unchangeable, that they feel that they are inherently born with a certain set of skills and that their ability to change their outlook on life is limited by their circumstances. I think the book does almost nothing to acknowledge white supremacy or the, you know, injustice uh, when it comes to the experience of people with racialized skin tones. I think it's not, um, it's not not acknowledged, but the way, the way that Dr. Dweck acknowledges this fact of society is just, you know, it's like, weak tea it really it really doesn't it doesn't add to her thesis and I think that's why she didn't spend time on it is because to in fact unpack the nature of our society being built on the foundation of white supremacy that that would really probably not lend credibility to her um primary you know definitions of growth mindset and fixed mindset and I just felt like in 2021, you know, if you know better, do better. And this book was not written in 2021. It's come out, I think, in a couple of different editions. And, you know, I'm, I've probably already spent more than enough time on it. If you're interested in really understanding more about the source material of growth mindset and fixed mindset, you can absolutely find Dr. Dweck speaking to that on TED. TED and um, YouTube, and you can find her interviewed in a number of podcasts. Personally, I don't think you need to read the book. And um, certainly, we're all, you know, trying to course correct our own thinking when it comes to things like a global pandemic, for example. And I have found that helpful, but there is nothing in the book that will allow you to conduct a meaningful self-assessment that will allow you to you know, take stock of your own thoughts. Um, and that made the book a little bit relentless to read. But I did finish it. And, um, you know, when it ended, I was sort of grateful that I had, uh, I had done my time with Dr. Dweck. <laughs> that is the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. I'm giving it a don't when, when it comes to um, recommending that you read it. I do not recommend that you read it. Um, the uh, other books in the don't category, and there are four books, they all fall under the same thing, uh, the same thing being the Bridgerton series. I read four of the Bridgerton series books, um, and I'm recommending you don't. <laughs> I, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion, or a hot take, or whatever the youths are calling it these days, but I do not recommend you read the Bridgerton books, and that is for one very simple reason, which is that they are boring. They are boring books. They start off well-meaning, but I honestly cannot possibly imagine myself reading book number five. I started reading these at the cottage, and they were the perfect cottage read. 
Um, but by the time I got to book number four, my cottage trip had ended and I was ready to make my way home. And when I got home, I found that I almost had to force myself to pick up book number four and finish it. Um, and honestly, you know, I really, I don't really know what I'm supposed to think about these books. Um, obviously, you know, there was like, I, I picked up book number one, I kept reading, I couldn't stop reading them at the cottage. They were ideal, but this is kind of what I meant when I was talking about numbing out. And the Bridgerton books really allowed me to completely numb out. Um, but then I didn't feel good after. <laughs> I did not feel good after reading them. Um, all, you know, after every single book, I was like, I do not feel great when I'm done these books. Um, as a series, they aren't good they aren't good. They are not good. And, and I have watched the Netflix season one of Bridgerton, which I actually thought was good. Um, but really does that, I think that speaks more to Shonda Rhimes, uh, as a, you know, television writer, producer, director, you know, absolute powerhouse. Um, everyone should give her their intellectual property so it can be made into entertaining TV for me. Uh, I will watch season two of Bridgerton when it releases, but honestly, uh, don't dive into these books, you know, um, for the, for the, you know, I don't know if this is a spoiler. Anyway, I'm going to put a pause here and just tell you I'm about to really just get into the books in comparison to the TV show. I saw the TV show before I read the books and the TV show did intrigue me to read the books. For one reason only, which is that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, there's diverse casting in the show. And there is also allusions to uh, diverse uh, same gendered relationships, or at least, you know, ideas of that, not quite in the first storyline of the first season. However, that diversity was very interesting given the Bridgerton books I think take place in the very early part of the 20th century or the 1800s oh see like even that I don't know no maybe the 1800s anyway um the books um (laughs) oh gosh see am I numbing you out am I boring you with this content gosh you know okay so the books take place um in like olden times London and the 1815 I think 1815 is when they take place at least they start anyway it's great to see this sort of period drama slash romance with a mixed cast it's just refreshing it's it's enjoyable to watch it's you know um it's fun that's what Shonda Rhimes does best is make fun diverse tv it always feels a little bit funny. It feels a little bit naughty. It feels a little bit cliffhanger. And all of that applies to Bridgerton on Netflix. And none of it applies to Bridgerton in the books. Bridgerton the books, everybody is white. Bridgerton the books, everybody engages in heteronormative relationships. And Bridgerton the books, uh, they're romance novels, but I would say they are very repetitive in the way that the author writes her love scenes and so as a reader you can see very clearly the 
storyline devices that the author is using time and time again. You know, there's only so many, uh, you know, bodice, the word bodice, the the times you can read the word bodice. Um, And the female characters have very little internal motivation. The male characters are actually written quite well. Um, But the female characters, you know, I think in the TV show, there seemed to be a really interesting storyline that allowed the women a chance to talk about the limitations on their aspirations. Uh, And in the books, it's just not there. It just doesn't serve. There's, There's very little internal dialogue in life that is driving their choices, except for the fact that they should get married and their mothers want them to get married. Um, so I'm going to recommend you don't read the Bridgerton books. Uh, I am going to recommend a romance novel later on that I think is awesome and absolutely ticks all of the boxes that I think anyone would want to read a romance novel in the summertime. But as far as the Bridgerton books go, I, I don't think you need to read them. Now, you know that I love a dissenting opinion, and because of that, I'm going to read the Goodreads review of the Bridgerton books. Uh, I'm going to go, I think, with book number four, because that's the last one that I read. And I'm very curious if the opinions of people change as the books kind of go on, because as the books go on is when you really start to see the repetitive nature um, that the author deploys time and time again to sort of get her characters to the same place. Uh, the same sort of plot pinnacles time and time again. Okay, so here we are. We've got Romancing Mr. Bridgerton by Julia Quinn. This is Bridgerton number four. And oh my gosh, this book has 4.05 stars with a ratings of 108,575 people that have rated it. I don't know. What is wrong with me? Okay, people love this book. Um, The fourth book is about Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington. This is alluded to if you've seen the Netflix series uh, that Penelope Featherington is both Lady Whistledown and Colin Bridgerton. I'm I'm again, sorry if that's spoilers, but uh, that's that's what we're here for. Okay, so let's see. Oh my gosh, it has almost no one star reviews. Okay, Let's see, a five-star review of Romancing Mr. Bridgerton. Let's get into it. Let's see. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, this makes me so awkwardly uncomfortable now and then. All right. Uh, This is read by someone named Shauna. And Shauna re-listened to the audiobook version. um, And her first review was from 2010. Oh, that's that's fascinating. I actually didn't know these books had been around that long. But honestly, um, you know, imagine what you were reading in 2010. And and yeah, I get it. I get it now. It's just like, the world is a more interesting place um, than it was in 2010. And, and our books should reflect the same thing. Okay, five stars, historical Regency romance. She <laughs> says, words seem wholly inadequate, my friends. Why are the best books always the hardest to review? Alas, if I only could have clever Lady Lady Whistledown write this. Oh my gosh. Flirtatious, affable, charming, and witty. Colin has been my favorite Bridgerton sibling from the beginning. I mean, gosh, like why that would be, I have no idea. This character is barely in the first three books. 
and I was most looking forward to his story, especially knowing that the strikingly handsome, popular bachelor was being paired with his sister's sweet best friend, plump, unpopular wallflower spinster Penelope Featherington. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, gosh. Like, if this is not a she's all that situation, I don't know what is. This is really i adore romances where the supposed ugly duckling plain jane heroine is finally seen as a beautiful swan has her day in the sun and finds her happily ever after with the wonderful hero of her dreams and romancing mr bridgerton is one of the most enjoyable that i've read i mean that's true yeah uh insecure she states that she you know i mean shauna to your credit like she really sees the characters as flawed and insecure and she saw more of their internal you know internal thoughts and their internal struggles than I did um the book kind of really like sputters out for me however um she said it was heartwarming funny and a delightfully good feel-good romance with a swoon-worthy hero and an adorable heroine that will have you smiling laughing crying cheering sighing and perhaps wishing for your very own Mr. Colin Bridgerton. Good golly, Miss Molly. I don't know. I don't know. It was boring, guys. It was just like, okay. And there's this weird part in the middle where you kind of find out she's Lady Whistledown and she's pulled off this amazing thing. And yet, there's a moment when he's like telling her what to do about it. And she's a little bit annoyed with him, but also kind of like, he never really gets put in his place for totally overstepping. And I just don't understand, like, that's where it got kind of stalled for me. Also, I felt like, you know, there is a lot of discussion about, like, the weight of the heroine. And I felt like the the love scenes were written in a very different way that I just didn't appreciate. It felt sort of I don't know I don't know how to put that into words but it, it didn't feel like a celebration of of shape or individuality or of difference it felt sort of like the writer was going to cut a few corners because she had described the character as um as as plump I guess ah oh, anyway okay Shauna I apologize uh, you seem to um, really have loved this book. I did not. And, um, you know, I hope that for you, the Netflix really lived up. Because I can't imagine, if you love the Bridgerton books, that you love the series. I think Shonda Rhimes took so many liberties with that IP that I think you would be flattened and horrified. Uh, I can't imagine it any other way. But um, let me know what you thought. If you're interested in following up and debating me heavily on the Bridgerton books, you can give me a follow on Instagram at medium.lady and um, I will uh, be very happy to have a witty repartee with you about the nature of the Bridgerton books and, uh, and, and my um, not recommending them. Uh, listen, we like what we like and we don't what we don't. And and I didn't like these books. I'm not going to spend any more time reading them. But that's me. And now I get the benefit of knowing that I don't like them. I don't think I like historical regency romance or whatever the, whatever the phrasing was. And I'm not going to reach for any more of those kinds of books. So that's a win for me. 
If you like the Bridgerton books, we don't have to fight about it. We can still be great friends. It's good for you to like what you like, and it's good for me to like what I like. Okay, now we're going to kind of get into the middle uh, category of books, which is Know Yourself. And I have quite a few books in the Know Yourself category. I'm going to go quickly through a few of the ones that I read. Um, The first book is another personal development book. It's called Now Discover Your Strengths by Donald Clifton. Um, This book was recommended to me by a work colleague for the reason that it has a very interesting quiz attached to it. And you cannot take the quiz unless you buy the book. So this book is surprisingly expensive for what it is um and and the reason that you might do that the reason you might buy the book is because it's really only as useful as the quiz is um and so it's kind of funny for me to have this in the category of books that I read this summer but I did read the book and I did love the quiz now I am a an elder millennial I guess for lack of a better word And uh, us millennials, we love us some internet quizzes. So, you know, I don't feel actually like I overpaid for this quiz. I think the book was about $55 Canadian. Um, The quiz was very insightful. And I love the approach of this book, which is that not everybody has to be good at everything. And what your job is, is to understand what you are good at and do as much of what you're good at as you can. And not worry too much about what you're not as good at. Now, that doesn't mean you can't develop and grow in the areas that are not inherent strengths to you. But what it does mean is that you have to keep pursuing opportunities to step outside your comfort zone with your strengths. I did a whole episode talking about strengths. It's episode uh, on growth mindset. Oh, what number is it? I want to say it's like number, might be number 11 or 12. I talked all about growth mindset, I talk about strengths, and I talk about using your strengths as a way to really enhance your growth mindset, really enhance your perspective on um, doing something uncomfortable, but in the capacity of something that you're already good at. So if you want to hear more of my thoughts on that, go ahead and look for that episode. Um, And and a lot of my thoughts on that came from reading this book uh, called Now Discover Your Strengths. I was really excited to kind of see my top five strengths and I've referred back and forth to this book. I've recommended it to other people that I work with. It's also been very useful for me to put blinders on some of the things that don't come to me naturally. And instead of feeling shame that I'm not good at everything, um, (laughs) I, I can kind of, you know, give myself a pass. And that's another way of living life with medium effort is to really pick your lane and live maximally within only that lane and allow yourself to say good for you not for me and move on and and untether yourself from the fear of missing out on the stuff that doesn't kind of naturally already appeal to you i'm i might be preaching to the choir to many of you may never struggle with this i recognize that I'm an Enneagram 3, and a big part of being an Enneagram 3 is molding to the circumstances and the people that you're with, and oftentimes that has led me to want to be like the people I'm with in order to be liked. 
and I'm learning so much about myself in that way. Um, I'm thinking about doing an episode on my learning experience with the Enneagram. I'm by no means an expert, but um, anyway, reading this book, uh, Now Discover Your Strengths, and the quiz, specifically the quiz within it, has been a really good experience for me and a way for me to apply medium effort to my own personal development and growth. Again, I think you kind of have to know yourself. You have to know like if you like quizzes, you have to know if you care about spending money on a quiz. And that's really kind of the person that this book is for. Um, I wouldn't recommend you get it from the library or anything if you're not going to do the quiz. Um, But anyway, there's that book. Uh, The other book in the Know Yourself category is um, two books by Jennifer Weiner. Weiner Weiner? Okay, either way, uh, Jennifer Weiner had uh, some pretty big summer reads released last year and this year. Uh, I think last year's was titled Big Summer. This year's was titled That Summer. I read Big Summer and That Summer at the Cottage. Um, I like these books a lot. I would recommend if you're still looking for a beachy summery read and you like... um, where do they take place? Is it Connecticut? Yeah, I think it's Connecticut. I got to look it up. But this kind of idea of, you know, the summer town, the summer sort of like the carefree summer. Um, But there's significant plot twists in both of these books. These books kind of have a little bit of everything. They have the cliffhanger. They have a lot of characters. They, the stories kind of take place over prolonged periods of time. The lead characters are very well written and really well developed. And um, there is a lot of like really great kind of environmental descriptions, descriptions about the clothes people are wearing, descriptions about the food they're eating, descriptions about their homes. You know, these are kind of like books that are sort of like movies come to life, sort of Nora Ephron movies come to life. And that's a great kind of book to read in the summer. I think you have to know yourself if you like um, stories that center around uh, one particular heroine. The book uh, Big Summer was really fun. It's a bit of a murder mystery. and The heroine is a um, plus-size influencer. There was a lot of really fun, cheeky, you know, um, wink to the audience types of things in this book, but it really kind of still really got to some heavy hitting conversations about insecurity and worthiness, uh, that I really liked. The second book that I read that summer, I actually liked even more. I was surprised at how much I liked it. Um, that summer is a bit of a heavier read than big summer. Uh, I will let you know it has a content warning for, um, rape, but really complex, nuanced characters that really went deep in what was driving them forward and what made them make specific kinds of choices in their life. Um, But again, still layered with that. What were they wearing? Where were they sitting? What were they eating? Uh, Things that really kind of gave it a very visual or environmental texture um, that made them particularly fun to read. Um... The books obviously have summer in the title, and they are not necessarily books that I would at all recommend in the winter. Um, I think if you can get your hands on these books, 
They are a good take to take to you on the beach, but they do kind of give you more to think about. So I think if you're looking for a beach read with a little bit more to it, both of these books are good. And uh, But I, you really have to know yourself. If, if you're not into the beach read, if you like a more literary pursuit, then you could skip them. But again, you got to know yourself. I, I like them. I like them. And uh, I would probably read more of Jennifer Weiner specifically in the summer. Weiner? Weiner? I don't know. Okay. The next Know Yourself book is a book called um, Indians on Vacation by Thomas King. Uh, honestly, this book was really wonderful. It was a really wonderful character-driven story uh, about a man, uh, an Indigenous man and his Indigenous wife on vacation in Prague. Um they are sort of on a family quest that they know doesn't really have an ending, but it's kind of given them permission to travel the world and see different things. And they spend uh, about a week, I think, in Prague on this family quest. It's sort of nuanced storytelling. There's a lot between the lines that you can read into as much or as little as you'd like to. Honestly, the the plot is very simple. It's like, it's literally what I just said. It's a man and his wife on vacation in Prague. But then it gets layered with history. There's some really well-written flashbacks. Um, there's some magical realism that I really appreciated. That was probably my favorite part of the book. There is really great conversation about the issues of mental health and reconciling your life work when your life's work you thought was to make the world a better place and then you kind of take stock and you worry that it's actually not better at all or that maybe you participated in some of the more icky parts of the world um the characters uh bird and mimi bird is the man and mimi is the wife the story is told from bird's point of view um Honestly, the characters were probably my favorite part about this book. I think you have to know yourself again. The way you have to know yourself if you're reaching for a beach read, you have to know yourself if you're reaching for a book that's a little bit unexpected and is going to leave a lot unsaid. This book uh, does a lot of showing and not telling. I've talked about that in a previous episode. And I really love books that do that. But if you don't, uh, Bridgerton, for example, is a tell-don't-show book, um, then, you know, I think I think you're going to really like this book. The characters are very lovable. The wife, Mimi, I actually adored her as a character. Um, Thomas King, if you're listening, please write a book just about Mimi. I, I would eat that up. I, I thought she was fantastic. Um, that is Indians on Vacation by Thomas King. I'm going to tell you it's a great book. You just have to know yourself. Okay, uh, two more books in the Know Yourself category. Um, the next one is a book called Into the Downing Deep. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I've recommended this book before. Uh, it, I've talked also about quadrants. You have to kind of like, not you have to, but something that I found really useful is putting books that I read into quadrants that allow me to reach very quickly for books that I like to read. One of those quadrants is young adult fantasy fiction with a female heroine who has a superpower. The second new quadrant, which I'm very happy to discover another quadrant, is uh, pseudoscience stories, I'm calling them, and Into the Drowning Deep qualifies. I used to love Michael Crichton books. Any kind of book that's sort of like 
mm, is this this couldn't really happen but maybe it could because you're using enough science in there that it's like just a hair away from plausible um this book into the drowning deep is actually not quite as fast paced as i expected it takes its time to situate you with the characters it's very cinematic in a lot of ways it feels like there's an act one and an act two to the book um i expect they will make this book into a movie i would be shocked if they don't it is about a group of people who go on a expedition to explore near the Marianas Trench the waters because they are long suspicious that there are real live mermaids that live there and that mermaids in fact um, have been found before in an expedition I think seven years prior that was basically wiped off the ocean. The crew was wiped off the ocean and the boat was found later so it's it's kind of toggles a little bit back and forth um via video footage so it describes video footage over time to kind of explain the mystery of what happened on this boat either way um had a great diverse cast of characters uh a character's variety of abilities a variety of races variety of sexuality most of the main characters were women i loved that um this book was referred as horror I would actually say the gore is paced evenly through the book and and not um not quite as uh upsetting as one might expect. It was all used with a uh, judicious placement by the author and there wasn't anything that ever felt gratuitous to me. Um Mira Grant is the author of this book. I was very curious to learn that she's actually written a lot of books before under a pseudonym. And um, this is reminding me I would love to read more of her books. So I will reach for that. I think if you like uh, science fiction and you like really intense, fast-paced books, um, I mean, it's fast-paced in the second half. The first half was, you know, the first half was a bit of a slog, but uh, the second half was very, very fast-paced. Um, I think you would really like this book. I, you know, I really don't have much to complain about it. It feels like a new, the next generation of, of the Michael Crichton kind of genre of book. Um, and uh, I think you kind of have to know yourself. If you, if you don't like science-related books or science fiction at all, then you should definitely pass. Or books where lots of people get killed. Then <laughs> don't. Then skip. <laughs> skip it. Um, okay, the next Know Yourself book is called You Should See Me in a Crown. It's a young adult uh, fiction book. Um, oh, dear, and I don't have the author here. I think it's Layla Kelly. Uh, let me check. Let me check. Uh, Leah Johnson. I apologize. Uh, you Should See Me in a Crown by Leah Johnson is a young adult fiction book um, about a um, young black woman who... Um, is basically compelled to enter her prom king and prom queen contest because the winner of the contest wins a scholarship and she uh, realizes she's actually not been accepted on full scholarship to uh, university to play the clarinet and so she kind of decides she has no choice but to no choice but to basically enter the contest um Honestly, You Should See Me in a Crown is exactly what makes young adult fiction so great. The characters are so lovable. 
There's great fast-paced conversations that build meaningful relationships. Uh, This book does a really good job of describing mental health as a function of many challenging things in life, of, of people that go through many challenging trials that then have to also manage their mental health on top of that. Uh, it does a very realistic description of um, of kids who panic, I think, after really upsetting traumatic um, family experiences. Um, it also did a really good job of making me sympathize with how much teenagers feel watched because of social media. Um, being everywhere, anyone with a phone could expose them at any moment. There was this real kind of like sense of trepidation among the characters and uh i i really got kind of a new insight into that you know and then there's this you know the relatable teenage feelings of not being liked you know people thinking you don't like them um and then also this really sweet sort of feeling of senior year being something that brings people together a really sweet kind of final act in the book that has a number of characters that shouldn't be friends become friends so that they can overcome an obstacle. I just liked it. The book made me smile. um, And the characters were, you know, diverse and, um, and complicated too. complicated issues of classism, racism, um, you know, um, interracial racism, and, and also, you know, chronic health conditions and family dynamics and, Um, This book was not heavy-handed, though. You know, I've talked about other young adult fantasy fiction books that can get a little bit heavy-handed as they make comparisons to contemporary society, and this book doesn't, didn't do that. It it covered a lot, it touched on a lot, but it was all situated with thought in the plot, and it didn't ever feel gratuitous at any point, which I appreciated. Uh, That is the book You Should See Me in a Crown by Leah Johnson. Again, know yourself. You just got to know if you like young adult fantasy, not fantasy, young adult fiction. Um, You know, I can't imagine anyone would hate this book, but uh, you might read it as an adult and sort of feel like, why am am I reading about teenagers? Um, I listened to that book as an audiobook and uh, it was really enjoyable. Really great way to unwind after work. I have a pretty long work commute and I definitely enjoyed this book by audio on my drives home. Okay, is that the rest of the know yourself category? Let's see. We are many minutes in and that's all right. Um, Have really been, side note, enjoying making some longer episodes and not worrying too much about editing those longer episodes uh, as I move to a schedule of releasing the podcast every two weeks. And, you know, just figuring that if you um, were listening every week, then you maybe had a specific amount of time to contribute to spend listening to this and that you might pivot to listening to it in a different way. Uh, respecting that, of course, you know, your time is valuable and I am so grateful for your listening ears. Um, but also knowing that the opportunity to take up as much space as I want is a privilege and a luxury that I want to get used to spending. I really do. I really know that there's really no harm in releasing a super long podcast. Um, I have to kind of do things in the way that feels the most fun to me in this season of life that I'm in. And so again, you know, I think I kind of meander to this 
awareness of how long I've been talking or how long you've been listening. And uh, just want to acknowledge that this is being done with purpose and caution (laughs) and fun uh, to just kind of, you know, allow ones the opportunity to really think it through, really spend the time that it deserves. You know, I'm going to spend over an hour talking about the books that I read in the summer of 2021. And I'm going to learn a lot about myself by taking up that space. And my sincerest hope is that you learn about yourself by listening to my thoughts and opinions on myself. That you might be saying out loud, oh yeah, that's true, that's so interesting, or oh no, I don't think so at all. And that you're having your own insights into yourself as I you know, am willing to expose my own insights into myself. There are two books that I'm going to tack on that I haven't finished in the Know Yourself category. One is Personal Development. That is Everything is Figure Outable by Marie Forleo. Um, I discovered Marie Forleo probably back in uh, 2014 uh, by the internet and was almost immediately taken with her sort of boss babe attitude on entrepreneurialism, creativity, um, having lots of different passions that appeal to you. She gives out great advice. She's very funny. She's beautiful. Um, you know, she's been acknowledged by Oprah. So that gives her more worthiness and meaning in our culture. Um, and, um, honestly, I've followed Marie Forleo ever since I discovered her in 2014 and have kind of done so dialing up and dialing down, on her as a person of influence and as essentially a coach and hype woman for millennial women to basically get out there and grab life by the by the you know what's and uh and get at it and to you know really be on your shoulder to talk down the fears that you have and to talk up the passions that are living with inside of you Now, I think that we've all become a little bit more critical of people like Marie Forleo in the last year. Uh, Rachel Hollis had a a tremendous fall from grace uh, earlier in the spring, and um, rightly so. I think that Marie Forleo probably gets lumped and dumped in the similar category, um, probably for lots of reasons that are valid and some that aren't valid. I'll just suffice to say that I think Marie has done a more thoughtful and more inclusive approach to the content that she produces and makes and the types of people that she know rely on her uh, for information that supports them. Um, I know that Marie Forleo is going to be thoughtful and inclusive and that she is going to use her platform to uh, lift up people of color and to um, you know bridge gaps that racialized people experience in this kind of content. Uh, I trust her to do that. Mm, I have not seen her ever abuse her privilege in the way that I have seen other white female entrepreneurial influencers do. And that's my personal opinion. And I guess we'll just kind of wait and see what happens next. But um, (laughs) all that to say, it's a little bit of a a defense of Marie Forleo as a person that I like. (laughs) Anyway, for what it is worth. Um, The book is Everything is Figure Outable. And um, Marie Forleo wrote this book. I think it's probably well over a year old. I hadn't had a chance to read it in its entirety. And I kind of dipped into it after all of those Bridgerton books. (laughs) 
which drove me to personal development after all my numbing out. I thought, oh, what am I doing? What am I reading? I got to read something of substance. And I reached for Marie Forleo, which is maybe a joke too, because I don't, I think it all matters, you know, how seriously you do or don't take Marie Forleo as someone who can give you advice on your life. With that being said, I'm about halfway through the book and I am applying a lot of her exercises and encouragements. She has some really purposeful journaling prompts at the end of every chapter that I found very useful. And honestly, I'm kind of applying this philosophy to my personal mission to try to change the way that I talk about my own body, uh, to try to change the thoughts that I think, the negative thoughts that I have the fears and concerns, the way that I negatively pick myself apart, and the amount of sheer time and energy that these thoughts take up in my head. Um, And I'm applying the Everything is Figureoutable book to eliminating those thoughts. Um, You know, Marie claims you can use this philosophy to tackle literally anything, And so I'm actually finding it refreshing and enjoyable to use the prompts to really think um, uh, using, you know, the sort of themes that are applied in each chapter. Um, You have to know yourself if you pick up this book because Marie is a very specific kind of flavor. She is a specific kind of language and she actually calls that right out at the beginning of her book to say I'm not for everybody and everybody is not for me and if you don't like the occasional f-bomb or you don't like straight talk then I would recommend that you pick up a different kind of book Um, and I would say the same thing you really have to know yourself and if you don't know who Marie Forleo is just go ahead and give her videos she's putting out I think free content every week she has a podcast Um, check that stuff out before you buy the book or before you get it from the library because you really um you really can like buyer beware. You can really like do your homework before you engage in the book, but I, I'm quite enjoying it. Um, and uh, it's definitely been a great palate cleanser after the Bridgerton uh, books, the, the numbing out of, of 2021. Um, okay, the last book in the Know Yourself category, if you had a chance to listen to my interview with Ali Openlander, we talked about books you should read this summer. You're Um, reading pile for the summer and we recommended a bunch of books on the backlist we recommended nothing that was newly released this summer Um, we wanted to put together a list of books that we knew you could probably get easily uh, either by paperback or at your local library um, without waiting 12 to 14 weeks for holds as the new releases often are and um, Allie recommended a book called get a life chloe brown Uh, by Talia Hibbert. I am almost finished this book. This is a romance novel that you can really wrap your 2021 brain around. Um, This book is spicy. So this is a romance novel about a female heroine who has a chronic illness, who is black. She kind of lives at the intersection of a couple of a couple of different perspectives. And is honestly a great, funny, lovable character that you wish you knew in real life. Um, She's a little bit hard-nosed. She's a little bit of a, like, doesn't-suffer-fools kind of character. 
And, you know, she's not perfect, but she's also not too worried about her imperfections. Um, but she has been hurt in the past by, you know, a handful of people in her life. And then um, her, you know, her male counterpart, uh, Redford, is, you know, very much different, but also kind of a meaningful person who really has a more nuanced emotional life as a man in a novel a romance novel that I've ever really read before he's as three-dimensional as Chloe Brown is and that's what makes this book read really well the chapters alternate from their individual perspectives and as a romance novel the fascinating part about this is that you really get their sense of desire from both the male and female perspective, which to my mind was really refreshing because it means that the female perspective is there and valued as it often is in a lot of romance novels, but the male perspective is allowed to be um, more emotionally driven than most romance novels, which is sort of like lusting after the physical attributes of the woman in question, you know, the male character in this romance novel, uh, in terms of like it being a heterosexual, heteronormative relationship, the male character in this novel really has a lot of desire for the for Chloe Brown, but it really comes from a lot of different nuanced places that, like I said before, are not the typical sort of like, oh, you know, like what a great rack, uh, can't wait to banger kind of like know really boring um male perspective uh, that I think you know that's kind of where the Bridgerton books get a little bit like kind of uh stale anyway that's Get a Life Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert I haven't finished the book yet I expect to like it quite a lot and I thought I would add it to this roundup because I did not think that uh finishing it would really change my opinion on it I'm putting it in the know yourself category because I think you have to know if you like romance novels and you have to know if you like uh, sex scenes in your books. The writing in these books is, <laughs> it's very sexy. I don't know how else to describe this, but it's, um, the sex scenes are uh, graphic in a good way. Oh my god. Okay. I gotta tell my parents to skip this episode. Okay, so those are my Know Yourself books. And we get to kind of take a bit of a break and and now head into my my top, top three, top three, top four. (gasps) I have four top books. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, Four books in the read it category. So listen, we're read it or don't. And then the Know Yourself um, category. So here are my four read it books. On the Come Up by Angie Thomas, Five Little Indians by Michelle Good, 112263 by Stephen King, and Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Dang yo, that's a good roundup. That's a good roundup. I could reread those books again. Um, I think that what I would really love to do is to kind of uh, pull these books apart Um, and just kind of explain to you why I think they will really appeal to the majority of readers. The first book is On the Come Up by Angie Thomas. This is not a hard sell. If you've read The Hate You Give, then you will really like On the Come Up. There was something about On the Come Up that I liked even more than The Hate You Give, and I honestly can't put my finger on it, except to say that 
on the on the come up is almost the other side of the tracks in the hate you give the characters are less straight laced there's more um more challenges with the law there's more of a gray area where the characters have to live their lives in terms of risk and fear and um drugs or poverty mental illness there's a lot more at stake in on the come up than there is in the hate you give and that's saying a lot because i think the stakes are pretty darn high in the hate you give um i really just love the characters again i felt like angie thomas is giving you so much more than young adult fiction I can't honestly, except for the fact that the characters are teenagers, I can't really understand why you wouldn't enjoy these books as an adult. I also think that there's so much value to read this book if you are engaging in self-reflection and learning and relearning your anti-racist, especially anti-Black racism, um, and hearing the stories of others and understanding the lived experience the one thing that Angie Thomas does with heartbreaking beauty is she describes families she describes families with just so much love and so much heart that you are immediately swept away by the reality of family it's unbreakable the bonds are believable the bonds are important and the bonds are really um, just, you know, what makes you care about people who are different and people who are living different lives, different lives than I'm living, um, at least. That's On the Come Up by Angie Thomas. I think you must read it. The other um, must-read book is Five Little Indians by Michelle Good. This, again, I think is a really important book for everyone to read. It starts off with very difficult uh, content regarding the abuse of children at the Indian residential schools, a particular Indian residential school in British Columbia. And it follows five characters uh, and how their lives evolve and change after having left the residential school they leave the residential school by a handful of different means. Um, and honestly, it gave me so much insight into inherited trauma and how trauma can be passed on generation through generation through generation. And even more of an understanding of the scourge of Indian residential schools. I have spoken on my Instagram um, and I will continue to speak as a non-Indigenous ally to um, reconciliation and truth in the country of Canada where I live. I think Five Little Indians is a must-read for every single um, settler in our country. And for the reason that the book is fiction, but it really paints a picture of the choices that become limited when we're traumatized. And I think that we have long lived on a rhetoric of Indigenous people having a choice. Um, and I really don't think you can make that argument in good faith after reading this novel. 
Um, It's beautifully written. There's a really wonderful sense of tradition and spirituality that I got a better understanding of, having already understood the really rich sense of life and earth and, you know, the elements and, um, and, and faith, I guess, for a lack of a better word on my part, that is a part of First Nations um, culture, but also the interconnectedness uh, that that has had when people have been severed from that as children, uh, and the very long journeys that people might take to try and find themselves. And as someone, like I said, who is on my own personal journey to figure out who I am and to step into the place in the world that is meant for me, this book really helped me to understand on a deeper personal level that that opportunity is a privilege and that that privilege was denied many generations of Indigenous people in this country and for no reason other than racism. Um, And it weighs heavy on my heart, but I am better for having read this book and I'm grateful for Michelle Good that she wrote it. And um, I honestly, I I think everyone should read it. Um, Whether you think, you know, that content is challenging or not, and it is, and it should be. Um, you you will um, you will uh, benefit from this book. You will you will love it. You will love it the way that I did. Um, and and the discomfort that anyone might have reading this novel is not even remotely comparable to um, the abuse and pain of of the of of the First Nations people in Canada as uh, we pursue truth and reconciliation. You know one very 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 small steps at a time that is five little indians by michelle good okay i have um two more read it recommendations the next one is daisy jones and the six this was also recommended to me by um ali openlander in our summer reads pile ali does a great job of describing it if you haven't read this just go and find it um at your library enjoy it and then go watch almost famous um, I'm assuming most people listening to this podcast are of a similar generation to me. You know, Almost Famous is a book that came out, uh, a book is a movie that came out starring, um, Kate Hudson and Billy Crudup, I want to say. Oh my gosh. But anyway, it came out at just such a pivotal time in my life. I think I was just old enough to really watch movies that were about stories that weren't for kids and I don't know almost famous always stuck with me and Daisy Jones and the stick six took me right back to that experience um you will think of almost famous the entire time that you read this book it's written in um uh oral history format so it's almost like reading a script the lead male is also called Billy which is the same as the lead male in almost famous and Taylor Jenkins Reid, I think she, her best, her best, you know, strength, if you want to go back to the Now Discover Your Strengths book, um, her best strength is really character. She is very good at character. She does character best. She did that. She did so in the seven husbands of Evelyn. No, the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo, I think is the, her other book. Anyway, there's a lot of characters in that book, too, that are great. But honestly, in this book... Um, because of the way it's written as an oral history, she almost does a character like exclusively. 
the character voice, the character nuance, the character history. There's very little need for other ambiance or environment. There's almost no plot. Um, the end made me cry unexpectedly. I, I just did not see it coming and it took my breath away. Uh, you know, when I cry unexpectedly, that's always a guarantee that I will leave a book feeling satisfied and I will recommend it to you. Um, that's Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. If you want to hear more thoughts on that, you can hear Allie review this book in our podcast together. Um, oh gosh, I think it's number maybe 13 or 14. We talk about your summer reading pile. Okay, the last book. Wow, did we make it through? Did we really talk about all these books? Yeah, we did. Okay, the last book. I guess this is the number one book that I'm recommending, and, um, it's... I'm ranking it number one for me. I shouldn't say I'm recommending it, but you, you should read it. You should read it. You'll like it. <laughs> it's 112263 by Stephen King. This book, thank you, Ali Alpenlander, is also in that episode where we talk about your summer reading pile. It is the first time I've read Stephen King. I did not know what to expect. I think perhaps I just expected to be entertained. And wow, did it deliver. This is a huge book. It was a very long book. I think I read this book over like almost three weeks. I barely made it to the uh, e-reader deadline. Um, This is my first Stephen King read. I can't wait to read more. Um, The best part of this book is it takes you to a known destination. Like the plot is laid out in the first like chapter of the book or two you're like there's this guy he's gonna time travel and he's gonna go back and prevent kennedy from being assassinated that's the plot and you're like okay everything we do from here on in is gonna lead up to prevent kennedy from being assassinated but early on the book sort of like takes you honestly Stephen King, he's taking you to this known destination, but he deals so beautifully in the aftermath. So you're like, okay, this guy's going to time travel back and he's going to, he's going to go and this is the thing. And he, and that happens, but then there's aftermath and the aftermath is kind of what leaves you sort of gobsmacked for the next part of the book. I would say the book kind of deals in maybe like three or four separate acts and each at the end of each act it's it's not a cliffhanger honestly like it's it's the book never really leads to a cliff it's like it's like turning on a switchback path like the road you're sort of like making all these twists and turns on a switchback and then all of a sudden you you find yourself with a view that you didn't expect you're facing a direction on a map that you didn't know you were facing it's like you're driving around and you think you're heading east and then all of a sudden you're facing the sunset and you're like, what? I thought we were facing, I thought we were facing east this whole time. Um, it's really great. It's very fun. It's very long, which is kind of nice to have a long book in the summer that you just kind of haul around from place to place. You, you know, you, you haul it to the cottage or you haul it to the beach or you haul it on your train commute or you're, you're always kind of hefting around the same book all summer. It kind of becomes your summer, you know, your summer security blanket. You know, you bring it to the backyard, you bring it to the baseball game, you bring it to the, the, 
the car if you're you know I don't know back when we used to pick up kids from doing things I don't know my kids are always home anyway but honestly um it it will probably be a huge marker of the summer of 2021 I will remember that that was the summer I read my first Stephen King book uh I am really looking forward to reading more um I am not a horror or gore person but uh I really loved this book. I I think anyone could read it and enjoy it. You know, um, Stephen King is a force to be reckoned with when it comes to writing, publishing. I think he has a new book year over year. And uh, I can see why. I can see why people love him. And uh, I'm glad that at least I, I now was today years old when I started reading Stephen King because I can live the rest of my life exploring um, his awesome books. And I know that I will um, keep reaching for his stuff, probably continuing to go with the stuff that is um, not super scary. But um, nevertheless, uh, really great book, really great book, great character, great storyline, great plot. Holy smokes. Honestly, if you like a bait and switch in a book, you're going to really love Eleven twenty two sixty three by Stephen King. Okay, wow. I think we're um, really doing well in terms of the review of books that I read. I, um, you know, honestly, I I think that uh, there's a lot of books on my want to read pile right now, and uh, you know something really great about looking back at what you've read um, and then making edits to your TBR or to be read pile based on what you've already read. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to obviously edit this behemoth of a podcast. I'm going to release it to you. And then I'm going to use this list in my notes here to take a look at what I want to read. And reach for way less of what I uh, I didn't like and reach for way more of what I did. I, I'm definitely going to read another Stephen King book. I'm probably going to read another Talia Hibbert book. Uh, that's the Get a Life Chloe Brown. I know there are two more in that series, so I definitely will enjoy those. I'm going to finish Marie Forleo. Everything is figure outable. And um, what's definitely up next on my to-be-read pile is Anne of Green Gables. I was recommended to read Anne of Green Gables. I've read it many times before. I was going to read it this summer, but I really feel like Anne of Green Gables is a fall book. And so I am going to be reading Anne of Green Gables probably come September. And I'm going to really enjoy the delicious words of Ellen Montgomery and the wonderful stories of Anne of Green Gables through the wonderful season that is the fall no matter what is happening in the world around us no matter what future the delta variant has in store for us i am going to for sure be reading anna green gables um i might also after looking at this list pick up some more young adult fiction especially angie thomas i know she has one more book called concrete rose and uh, I think I'm, um, I'm going to read that. Oh, you know what I forgot? I forgot to read a review of 112263 uh, that someone hated. 
Okay. Well, we have to do it now. It's tradition. I can't not do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, 1122.63 has almost half a million ratings on Goodreads, and it rates 4.3 stars. Uh, Jake Epping is a 35-year-old high school English teacher who makes extra money teaching adults in the GED, and, oh, that's, like, that's getting way too far in the weeds. Okay, one-star review. You know, sometimes if you read the good, the Goodreads, like, synopsis of a book, you can, uh, you can get too close, too close to spoilers. Okay, let's see. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay, this is great. Oh, man, I love reading reviews. I love reading reviews. This is delicious. Okay, this one's too long. Wow, Sarah hated it. This person named Sarah Gatorman. Okay, we're going to read Gatorman's review nine years ago. Yeah, this is an old review. Okay, Gatorman says, 2011. Wow, this book is a mess on so many levels. I'm not sure where to even begin. First, It's a damn shame that King chose to take what could have been an interesting story centered around the Kennedy assassination and turn it into nothing more than a liberal love fest worshipping all that is Kennedy and a political diatribe against all that is Republican, conservative, and or religious. Yikes. I was well aware of King's political views when I read this book, as well as every other King book I've read, but never have his politics so thoroughly suffocated a book as they did here. I mean, I don't know. I'm Canadian. I miss that. I didn't. I I don't. Gator Man seems angry about something that I did not pick up on. Did not seem to be in the book at all. Politically, I think he makes reference to like what had happened and what would happen in a very interesting kind of factual way for American politics. But I suppose he probably could have done that with revisionist history in mind and uh, brought his political views into play. Honestly, as a Canadian, I'm not really very well versed in the American history or American political history. So Gatorman's upset about something that uh, did not affect my reading of the book at all. Putting aside political issues, let's do Gatorman. Uh, the book is structurally a disaster. No, you are wrong. <laughs> Had King bothered to try to tell a cohesive story with compelling characters, he may have been able to overcome his political bias and permitted us to enjoy the story. Alas, no. The characters are flat, one-dimensional, and lacking any compelling characteristics. How can you write an 840-page book and have zero character development? What? No. The love story is so overwrought with cliché... You don't give a damn what happens to him in either in the end? Oh, Gatorman, no, where's your heart? No, I don't agree. I do think that there's a really good love story in the middle of the book that really makes you care a lot about the end of the book. Uh, and honestly, it's almost more important than the Kennedy assassination because you care about what happens to the past and how it changes the future on a level that is relevant to the novel and not on a level that is relevant to what actually happened. So it's a way that King creates a parallel universe while talking about time travel um, and makes us care just as much about the future of the characters in the past when we already know what happened to Kennedy. I think it's, f- it's a very expert 
uh, thing to do as a, as a storyteller. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, okay, uh, Gator Man. Um, what else did he say? Oh, he was so upset. The climax is so rushed. Yeah, I feel like that was on purpose because the book is very long and the climax happens in a handful of pages. Um, so you you get really like disoriented because you've been waiting all this time for something to happen that happens very quickly. But like I said, I think the book deals more beautifully with the aftermath. Um, anyway, I think it's so interesting. Okay, let's see. He says, maybe if King had spent less time focusing on his political views, oh dear, and more time on the execution of the story, we would have had something worthwhile here. Unfortunately, the book reads like a lame cardboard cutout thriller in the vein of hacks like Dan Brown. Oh, Gator Man, that's a tough one. Okay, this is by far the worst book Stephen King has ever written, and I've read all but two of them. What a major, major disappointment. Read it at your own risk. Okay, so that's interesting, isn't it? This guy loves Stephen King, obviously. To read all of his books, but two, I mean, Stephen King, he's written many books. And uh, I think that uh, it's fascinating to me. You know, usually if you love an author, you love everything that they write. And obviously, Gator Man, you know what I really appreciate is that Gator Man does not. Um, also, this review has an epic thread. People are so upset with him. And honestly, four years later, more angry comments. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, even recently, as four months, people are so upset about what this guy wrote, and he's still responding to them. Dude, 10 years later, you're getting you're still getting traction on your negative review yikes okay i cannot get into this and i had said at the beginning of this episode that i felt like goodreads was a place where trolls did not really uh, spend too much time but um i found them (laughs) i found them i found them here oh my gosh okay so this thread is almost 10 years old Four years ago, Gator Man said, will it ever end? Meaning, apparently, he was still getting comments. Oh, he's like, at one point, he tries to retract himself from the debate. I'm done debating the merits of this book. I've said all I'm going to say. Oh, jeez. But then, then he continues to talk to people about it because he gets a lot of, <laughs> he gets a lot of comments. Um... At one point, somebody says, I can't believe this thread is still alive after all these years. People will be responding to this review long after the book is out of print. And he says, just when I think it's dried up, another one comes floating in. Hey, Gator Man, you know what? Uh, Good for you and your viral review of the uh, 1122-63. You know, and and thank you for... um, Thank you for uh, dispelling my myth that the trolls do not uh, spend their time on um, on Goodreads. Now, to be fair, I mean, people are baiting this this Gator Man. I can't stop calling him Gator Man. This Gator Man after um, he put his review out there. And I guess, you know, that's uh, was his choice to make a one star review. But I think, you know, um, he hasn't changed his rating, so he hasn't been bullied. He has not been swayed by, by the people who are, are so upset with him. Anyway, um, 
Oh my gosh. Okay, one-star reviews. Honestly, you got to take something you love and read a one-star review of it with a sense of humor. Don't take it so seriously, okay? And you can have a lot of fun. That's what you're hearing me do right now is I'm just having a heck of a ton of fun reading these really, really funny reviews of uh, of books that I liked. Um, and I'm I'm tickled. I'm honestly delighted. Delighted to see how much people hated something that I liked. I don't know. Does that make me weird? I really would recommend it. Like, I think, honestly, like, the stakes could not be lower. The stakes could not be lower. Really? Okay. So, um, that is all for this episode. I am going to wrap it up here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining in with me on my summer 2021 reads. And read it or don't and know yourself. Uh... I guess, you know, I think that this framework for talking about books is sort of the, you know, the messy middle and then the stuff that you really don't like and the stuff that you really do like. Don't discount the messy middle. There is something to be learned from the books that appeal to you that might not appeal to everyone else. Honestly, and I'm just like really feeling satisfied by not necessarily how much I'm reading, but by what I'm reading is teaching me about myself and what I like. And identifying what I like is the best way. It's the best effort to spend with myself. Getting to know myself, allowing myself to feel worthy of the things that I like, and allowing myself permission to not like everything. I don't know, maybe that's a mind-blowing concept for people, but I really think I spent a lot of my early adulthood feeling like I kind of had to like what was popular and I had to like what other people liked and it really neutered and suppressed my ability to get to know myself on a deeper level um you know and and I've I've shared off and on on Instagram about the impetus for me to make a pivot and open my eyes to who I am and and what I really like and what I really want for myself. So if that sounds interesting to you, I hope you'll connect with me over on Instagram. And if you liked today's podcast, please share it with a friend. And um, of course, of course, think about what you're reading and, and give me a book recommendation. I guarantee you, I, I will read. I will read your recommendation. And then I will put it on my podcast and you'll hear what I really thought about it. But let me tell you, we can still be friends and not like the same books. Read it or don't. Know yourself. Either way, put medium effort into taking a bit of time to think about what you like and what you don't. And then have fun. Have fun with yourself and have fun with your reading life. Because that's what reading is really for. Is for relaxing, having fun spending time in the world that is hopefully not numbing but sometimes is and all of those things are good things reading is a great thing in life and uh i hope you are enjoying your reading life today and that this episode gave you a bit of food for thought on a perspective you might take in your own reading life that's all for today i'm your host erin this has been medium lady talks And I will see you again soon. Bye.